Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Beloved, thanks again for joining us on today's episode of the podcast for Our Resolute Hope. I'm John Russell, I serve as your host and my partner in crime, Pastor Frank Friedman. Man, how are the preparations for Revelation coming? I know you're teaching it this fall at Grace Life <laughs> Fellowship. John, I really want to tell you, so many people are afraid of that book, confused by the book. I was one of them, but the more I study it, the more I'm being blessed, which is a novel thing, because it says if you read the book, you'll be blessed. Yeah, you're supposed to be blessed. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't read it because we are confused and fearful. But I don't think I've had a book bless me so much as in the last 25, 30 years. It is really just blessing my heart to study it. Looking forward to teaching it. You know, it's interesting that uh, so many people spend so much time focusing on uh, the symbolism and all the, the visions that John sees, and they try to interpret those, which of course are uh, nigh on impossible. And they lose the main focus of the book, that it's a revelation, not of John's visions, but a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so mm. they, they forget the theme of the book, mm -hmm. focus on the visions, and they just get off track. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. Indeed. Okay, friends, if you joined us for the first time, Frank and I are in the middle of our running conversation on the Epistle to the Colossians, and we're in chapter two. And last time, uh, Frank, you and I were talking about, in the very first part of chapter two, just the amazing encouragement that Paul was to those young believers in Colossae. And we talked last time about how we invested so much effort in those first chapter, chapter and a half, on really instructing them on what we call the spiritual ABCs, who they are in Christ, how they are to walk in this world because they are in Christ, and how to guard against the enemy's lies. And then we wrapped up uh, beginning our conversation on verse six, and I'll pick it up right there. And the verse reads, therefore, as you have received Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Frank, you have spent a lot of time over the years we've been together referencing this verse. As you receive Christ, so walk in him. So give us a couple second wrap up on what we talked about <laughs> last time. Why is that so important for a productive, fruitful Christian life? Well, John, we can be very blunt and say, because a counterfeit never works. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Colossians will say in chapter three, is our life. Uh, he's not just our savior. He's not just our Lord. He is those things because he brought us his own life. Colossians one, Christ is in us. That is our hope of glory. 
He is the one who saves us with his life. And again, that's something most people in church have never heard. They say, I'm saved by his death. Yeah, you are. That got you out of hell. But what's going to get you out of the hell you live in in a fallen world? Well, that's his life in you, his strength, his mercy, his peace. And so we walk in him. Christ is the only one who has ever lived the Christian life. He's the only one who ever will live the Christian life because he's the only one who can live the Christian life. And God doesn't want us looking at Jesus and trying to imitate him. We imitate his method. His method was to trust the Holy Spirit in him. And that's now what we do. We walk not by effort, but by faith in him that he will be who he said he is which is God inside of us, experienced in us and expressed through us as we trust him. And so it's all about Jesus. And that's what we teach. Because wow, <laughs> that's you know, what the New Testament We teaches. can just hang up and go home right now, bro. That's, <laughs> that's really what it is. But I want to dive into the second part of that passage, verse 6 and 7, and focus on this part. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This, Frank, in my opinion tells us how walking in him is going to look. And I looked at those words, and I'm learning so much as I'm diving through all these commentaries and uh, lexicons and what have you, that there are four participles in this verse. It's rooted, built up, and established, and abounding, but they're different, and here's why. The first one, rooted, is passive which means that somebody else has rooted you. Colossians 1.13, you know, you've been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. You know, I look at it this way, being a plant guy as I am, Father didn't just see us as a plant growing in the domain of darkness, rip us up by the roots and just lay us on a pile of soil and hope our roots took. No, he rooted us. He lifted us carefully. He dug a hole. He loosened the soil. He fertilized it. He aerated the soil. He placed us in there and he packed the soil around our roots. He made us firm, Frank. He locked us into place. And so now that we are rooted, this describes us. The next three are present tense, which means continuing. And so because this is true, we are to constantly and continually be built up, like layer upon layer, built up in him, learning more about him constantly, being progressively more solidly established in the faith, and progressively, continually abounding in thanksgiving. Frank, it's so important, in my opinion, to see that this rooting that Father did for us can bear so much fruit if we will simply walk in him and trust him to live his life through us. Frank, it's so simple. It's so simple. It, it is so simple, John. And I think the thing that the listeners need to hear is that this is past tense. We have already been rooted. It's done. We don't have to walk around going, I've got to get into Christ. I've got to get into Christ. No, you're there. And so what we really need to do is now focus on what there means. And again, I love this. He said, you were instructed. I've already taught you. 
but I'm going to teach you again and again and again until those present tenses kick in that you would allow yourself to be built up in him in which you were already rooted, that you would be established through your faith in him, which is already occurred, but let it stay that way. And when you do, you'll overflow with gratitude because you'll realize you have been fully restored to God and all that God is, he is to you, for you, with you right now. And what I see this saying, John, is you found out who Christ really is. Now stay put in Christ. Yeah, stay there. <laughs> Don't go anywhere else because he is everything to you. If you will simply allow him to be everything to you by faith. Yeah. It's so simple. Like you said, it's, it's so simple and we are rooted in him. I love that preposition, Frank, in him. We're not rooted upon him. Like mm. we're separate. We are rooted in him. That means mm. we and he are one rooted in him is the only way that we can bear this fruit. And Paul makes that really, really clear. So we already are in Christ. And so stay there, as right. you said. But here's the wrinkle, my friend. In verse eight, Paul throws a caution in there. Because, you know, we've been talking about the encouragement that Paul gave to the Colossians, how well they're doing. They're so firm in the faith. He's teaching them the spiritual ABCs over and over again. They're rooted. They're grounded. They're bounding in thanksgiving. And you know, just about the time that we get all of our ducks lined up in a row like that, sometimes father chooses to part the hedge and he mm -hmm. allows the enemy in to get some access to us. It's so easy when things are going well and we're just so overjoyed about being in Christ and all he's done for us and in us and through us that we got to be careful. In fact, Paul tells the Corinthians this in 1 Corinthians 10, Anyone who thinks he stands, be careful, because you might fall. You're one misstep away from falling. So, Frank, bundled into all this wonder and glory is the need for us to be diligent, because our enemy is always around. He sneaks around like a, like a lion, uh, seeing there's somebody he can, he can gobble up, somebody to damage. And so it's a command, really. We need to be diligent to watch mm -hmm. out, because... The life in Christ we have, while it's stable and solid, its experience in our lives isn't always stable and solid when we get our eyes off him. Yeah, John, it's very important, I think, that we clarify the issues as you just did. And let me do it again. When we make a statement like stay put in Christ, we are not saying that you can ever lose your salvation or that you'll ever lose Christ, or that Christ will ever lose you. You have him, he has you. We are now in an eternal union with him that can never, ever be separated. As John 15 puts it, we abide in him. We live in him, and nothing's ever going to change that. But as John put it later in John 15, he puts it in a command form. Now go abide in him. Well, how can you do what you already are? And we have to understand that though we abide in him and always will, though we are in union with him and always will be, stay put. What we mean by that is 
We always have him as our life, but we can take our eyes off him and go try to find life in other sources. That will spell death. That's why Peter said, stay alert. That's why Paul said, put on the full armor of God. That's why Paul wrote, make sure you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't let your mind wander to places it shouldn't where you think you're going to find a better way to do it other than Christ. Though you will be in him and always will be, you said the key words, John, we might not always experience him. We might end up experiencing things that God would rather have us not experience. And truth be told, we don't really experience them either. So stay fixed on Christ. Yes, because the enemy will never, ever stop crafting custom tailored temptations suited (laughs) perfectly to you. You know, Frank, you and I have talked about this before. The things that might attract you might not be attractive to me. And of course, the reverse is true. So the enemy just throws those attractions out there, hoping one of them will stick. And when one sticks, he can get a hold on us and turn our head away from Jesus. So this is what exactly what Paul says, beginning in verse eight. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So there's a lot here, Frank. And so Mm -hmm. let's park for a minute and let's do a deep dive. I want to begin with that first three word phrase, see to it. This is an imperative, my friend, and Mm. there's a responsibility for us here. We've been delivered from darkness, but it doesn't mean that we can't go back and spend time there. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's, and that's how most of us wound up in the counseling office, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, there's nothing passive about the Christian life. You know, Jesus offers to do everything for us, in us and through us. But we have to lay hold of that by faith. You know, I often tell people, John, Jesus promised to feed the birds of the air. And then he goes on to say, you're worth so much more than them. But here's the key. He doesn't drop it in the nest. The birds have got to go get it. We've got to walk with faith. We have to exercise faith. This is not a passive journey. And just like it said there, we've got to be careful. We're the ones that has to see to it that we don't get ourselves deceived. I love the way it says in Galatians 5.1, Jesus Christ made you free. Now, it's your responsibility to never be enslaved again with a yoke of bondage. We've got a part to play, John, and that means being on guard. That's right. And, you know, you mentioned Galatians 5, and it's interesting that right after Paul says, you know, Christ has set you free, so you need to make sure you work hard to stay free. Don't get back under that bondage. And then later on in that chapter, he describes what that bondage looks like. Mm. And, and, And he talks about the works of the flesh, and I'll direct our viewers there to the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5 to get an idea of just some of the absolutely despicably heinous, I don't know how many adjectives I can use, (laughs) uh, things that we believers can get into when we choose not to walk in the spirit, when we choose Mm. instead to walk after the flesh. Man, and we've said it before, Frank, it's just one choice away, one step away from veering off track and heading in a direction that's away from Jesus. And Mm. sometimes, my friend, 
it can get pretty ugly, as you know, from having all those journeys in Fleshland wind up in your office because nothing is working. That's right. We've got to have very deep roots. We've already been rooted, John, but it's our responsibility to make the roots go even deeper, not have shallow roots. If we have a superficial view of who Jesus is to us, that's shallow roots. And then you're going to go looking elsewhere to make up what he isn't supplying. And the truth is he supplies everything. So we really have to have a a true understanding of who he is to us and who we are in him. If there's any lacking in those two things, we're going to be right prey for those, look how he puts it, philosophies. Oh, that's a deep word, isn't it? And it's a compound word. Philo, philo, which is love, and Sophia, which is wisdom. Lovers of wisdom. Oh, that sounds so good, doesn't <laughs> oh, it? Oh, baby. And we can be led astray so quickly because they come to us saying, don't you want the deep things of life? And bam, well, the deep thing of life is Jesus. That's Anything right. else is is ultimately shallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, the deep thing of life, Jesus ain't so deep. It's right on the surface. But once you pick him up, you realize just how deep he is. That's what Paul is getting at in these verses together. But that's <laughs> what he's doing right here. He's saying, hey, don't be taken captive by all these folks who have the appearance of a, of a substance and deep thoughts, but you know, they're, they're nothing. We've used this phrase before, Frank, you and I, we call it a hollow bunny. Instead of buying a nice chocolate bunny for $25, we buy the hollow one at Walmart that looks so good for $2. And then it's got <laughs> nothing on the inside. That's what's happening. Because what they're chasing after here, my friend, it isn't the wisdom of God. You know, the lover of wisdom, you said philosophy. It isn't the wisdom of God. It's wisdom for wisdom's sake. It's mm-hmm. that, that same old circular, fruitless thinking that leads nowhere. It amounts to nothing. It's empty. It's futile. It's deceptive. It promises so much, but delivers so little. I remember being a a university student, and this is going to show how old I am, back in the day when coffee houses were a thing. And you'd sit around and you'd talk about who knows what making no impact anywhere, just talking for talking sake. And and this is what I kind of picture is going on here. It was the Colossians' unique deception. It appealed to them. It doesn't appeal to all the churches. They had their own struggles. But this was the Colossians' deception, getting back to that thought of the enemy crafting perfectly tailored deceptions that fit us to a T. And so, this is what's going on, and they're falling for it. At least some of them are, because Paul is cautioning them. But Frank, he talks here about human tradition mm. and the elemental spirits of the world. Okay, I know Peter said sometimes Paul is hard to understand. Well, right now I got to agree because there are twenty-five different opinions as to what this means. So I'm going to ask the boss, what's <laughs> going on here? Well, I would really want to make this simple. For people. (laughs) If this tradition, no matter how complex it is, no matter how wise it sounds, no matter how long people have been doing it, how long it's been established, if it leaves Jesus out, that's a tradition of man. And that word traditions is paradisus given from one to another, given from one to another. 
And here's the thing. Where's the one? If its source is not in Christ, then so what? Whether they think it's right or how many initials are after a person's name and how academic they sound and intelligent they sound. It's real simple, John. If we leave Christ out of that tradition, then it's just spoken from one to another, to another, to another. And bottom line, you left Christ out and therefore it's nothing. It sounds wise, but it's empty. While I was reading through this passage in preparation for our chat today, the Holy Spirit brought to mind a personal experience. I was saved in 1975. That's before the Earth's crust was completely hard. That's how long (laughs) ago that was. And at that time, I was a university senior, and I was majoring in life sciences. And I was a believer, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks And I happened to be walking down the street by the university, and I saw this sign that said Christian science. Mm. I thought, huh, okay, I'm studying science. I'm a Christian. I'll go in. And so a bunch of ladies chatted me up, gave me some books. I took them back to my apartment, and I started reading. And of course, at two weeks in the faith, you know nothing, absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing. But I still remember to this day, the overwhelming feeling, the sense I know now the Holy Spirit was speaking to me saying, John, this is not true. Throw them away. And Mm. so I did. And so the, the point I'm trying to make is this, that you may not completely understand all the ins and outs of all the deceptive philosophies, all the human traditions, all the elemental spirits of the world. You don't have to understand those. You just have to know Jesus Mm -hmm. and he will protect you just like he did this young, naive goober (laughs) (laughs) of of a university senior who knew nothing from nothing. He protected me. And in retrospect, I see, wow, Father, thank you. What a miraculous provision you gave. You put a wall there that I didn't even know I needed. And so I think that's what Paul is getting to when he writes here, because he says, None of this is according to Christ. That's the end there of Mm. verse 8. That's the key, Frank. None of it's according to Christ. None of the things we've talked about for philosophies or human tradition or Christian science or my experience at the university, none of that is according to Christ. And so it's it's worthless. It's rubbish. And, And that's how we tell. It's very simple. You know, we said it before, either on this podcast or the episode before, that when you know straight, you can tell crooked real quick. I'm so glad you emphasized the final phrase there, verse eight, rather than according to Christ. First John has a verse that says, test the spirits, test who's talking to you. Do they name Christ? If they don't name Christ, then move on. And when you tie that phrase with the phrase right before it, elementary principles of the world. Well, what's that? That's the physical world we live in. And so, you know, Paul's going to explain what that means at the end of the chapter. And I know we don't want to get into it now, but I think it'd be wise to reference it. The things of the world, food, drink, special holy days, things to touch, things to not touch. They take it from the spiritual, which is the real life. And they put the emphasis on the physical. Do this. Don't do that. Go here. Don't go there. And when you do all that kind of stuff, 
we took what's simple and made it complex. That's one problem. And two, we took our eyes off of Jesus and what he has done, and we put it on us and what we are to do. And it turns rest and life, which Jesus offers, into burden and death, which is what ultimately they are offering. And so even in the introduction of his thought, which he'll develop later in the chapter, and it's pretty clear. Next verse says it, in him is the fullness of God in a body, and in him you've been made complete. And if you're complete, or as chapter one put it, if you have the fullness of God in you, you don't have to go looking anywhere else. You can rest in him. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. And it's so neat to see this because when you read through the other epistles and Paul is warning against false teachers and warning against legalists and Judaizers, and he always comes back to the same thought that if it doesn't center around Christ is rubbish. And I want to wrap up with this thought, Frank, and ask you to finish. Paul so lived this that he wrote these words in Philippians chapter three. And I know you're familiar with this. And he says, for his sake, Christ's sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him. And this is the part that gets me, Frank, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This is what Paul means. This is what he intends us to use as a yardstick to measure whether something is according to Christ. And when I look at the impact it had on Paul's life, I go, wow, what an incredible mark my Jesus has left on my brother, Paul. Mm. All right, my friend, wrap us up. Well, John, I think probably the best way to wrap it up is what he goes on to say in that same chapter you just mentioned. This is my one thing. You know, it's fascinating, John. We could go to people and say, hey, what's your one thing? Make people think. He said, my one thing is to know him. That's my one thing. And that word know, as you know, isn't oida, to know the facts, to know the doctrine. It's gnosko. I want to experience Christ. Wow. That's enough. (laughs) Wow, that's enough. Well, friends, we trust you've been blessed by today's conversation from The book of Colossians. Frank and I have been discussing our way through. If Father has ministered to you today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast, please do us a solid. Check out our new website. You'll find us at OurResoluteHope.com. Lots of resources there, all focused on Jesus Christ as our life. While you're there, navigate around, say a while. Pop us an email, sign up for our newsletter. Man, we would love to hear from you. Check out our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram. We've got a new YouTube channel now. Hit that bell, like, and subscribe. And uh, of course, you're already listening to us on whichever of the podcast venues you like best. And of course, if Father has reached out and blessed you today, we ask you to prayerfully consider supporting us here at Our Resolute Hope. Every prayer we get, every die we receive gets poured back into the ministry to bring glory to the Lord Jesus. And we uh, 
ask you to prayerfully consider joining with us. And once again, we close with the same reminder that we close every week. Hebrews chapter six, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. Uh, Frank and I call it a resolute hope. That's why we named our ministry that. Not shifting, it's stable and steadfast, just like Jesus, because he's our hope. So today and always, uh, choose that hope. Choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.